We think about hashtag blessing, and if you search it on Instagram, social media, you'll see all kinds of things from people's cars, new cars, which we, we care less because we don't have one, you know. Uh, vacations, hashtag bless, kids, health, whatever. But the real blessing that I want you to bring home, take home and remember, is God himself. Now, everywhere in the scripture where somebody's blessed, in the Old Testament, scriptures, new, it's because the Lord was with them, you see. The Lord was with them. That's the blessing. It's his resources, his power, his strength, his grace, his mercy. And you knowing it personally and believing it in big ways. The more you're trusting it, the person of God and his promises, the more blessed you're going to be. Because he is faithful in all his ways. Now, Abraham, we've been studying him because he's, he was blessed. And he was blessed because of his faith in God. And he was tested. Okay, he was tested. The passage we're going to look at today, I'll just tell you, in the scriptures is one of the most uh, amazing, I don't know the right term, or can't believe that that's in the Bible, that that actually happened kind of passages. And it's the testing that Abraham went through of his faith. Because we know he's a man of faith, but how much faith? How much faith? And how much testing can he go through? So this is what it says in Genesis 22. Uh, we'll be looking at the first 14 verses of Genesis 22. It says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I, or here I am. God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, after these things, what we see here, after these things, let me tell you what these things have been. I mean, Abraham, when he was 75 years old, was called by God to leave his home country, to go to a place that God would show him. And by faith, Abraham left and went, not knowing where he was going. I mean, just trusting God to show him. That was the introduction to his faith that we saw. And then God told Abraham, by sovereign choice, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. It's like, why me, God? I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. You're going to have children as numerous as the stars in the sky. And through you... Abraham, the whole world will eventually be blessed. And Abraham believed God's promise, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. We are declared righteous by our faith in a promise, different than Abraham's promise. Ours is of God's forgiveness through Jesus, but we're saved the same way, through faith in a promise. And then time goes on, and Sarah, Abraham's wife, still can't have a child, so she's barren. So we got a problem. God's promised that we'll become a great nation together, but no kid. Okay, no kid. After 10 years of this, uh, Sarah says, well, maybe my slave, you know, Hagar is God's answer. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. We went over that, you know, um, a couple weeks ago. Sleeps with Hagar, or last week. And Ishmael is born. But that's not the promised child. It's to come through Sarah. Well, Sarah can't have children another 15 years. And so 25 years after Abraham is first called, they have a child. 25 years. 
Some of you have infertility issues and have gone through it in your life, all kinds of things. Imagine 25 years. And then God, at the right time, in God's way, God's purposes, uh, according to God's purpose, brings Isaac into the world. It's a miracle. Abraham is 100 years old. His lovely wife, Sarah, is 90. They have their baby. And Sarah nurses him at 90 years old. And Isaac begins to grow up. And God has fulfilled his promise. And it will be through Isaac then that Jacob will be born and through Jacob the 12 sons. And then on the whole fulfillment, he becomes a great nation. After these things, all those promises, and Isaac being born, and what a miracle, and yea, God, and how good is this? After these things, God tested him and said, I want you to take that same son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I <clears throat> shall tell you. I want you to offer him up to me. We're like aghast, unthinkable. What on earth is this all about? I mean, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, God, did I just hear you right? You know, what are you, what are you saying to me? Isaac is the promised child. We just celebrated, you know, the miracle of his birth. And, and I'm, Sarah and I are still rejoicing at how good you are. And now you want me to take Isaac and offer him to you as a burnt offering. What is this? Who are you, God? Who are you? Now, that, none of what I just told you is in the text. As a matter of fact, when God tells him to do this, this is what we read. The next verse, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. The very next morning, he's up early, loading the donkey, getting the wood, gathering up Isaac, and they're heading the three-day journey to the mountain on the, in Moriah to offer Isaac immediate obedience and trusting God. And I read something like this, and I go, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Abraham's faith is quite strong at this point. This was an example of faith that he's trusting God for this. I mean, I can trust God for certain things, you know, certain things in my life. I believe he's going to come through, but to offer my son to him as a burnt offering? I don't understand that. I'm confused by that. This, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't fit the way God's been working in my life up to this point. This doesn't fit at all. It's all quite, quite confusing, um, which, in fact, is what makes it a test. Huh? Would you agree? I mean, if you understood everything and could kind of put it all in its little category, then the test of trusting God wouldn't even be there. This, this is the ultimate test. But Abraham responds and gets his stuff ready and heads out. It says, on the third day, <clears throat> Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So they're going from Beersheba up to this mountain in the area of Moriah, which is a 50-mile trip. And uh, on the third day, they look and they see the place. Uh, most commentators believe that this place, the Mount Moriah, is the Temple Mount in current-day Israel and Jerusalem, the Temple Mount where there is a Muslim mosque there. 
that Abraham is put on the altar uh, on the Temple Mount. Uh, it's, the, it's also called the threshing floor of Aruna that King David bought and uh, that Solomon used that threshing floor, that temple area, we know this for sure, to build the first temple. Solomon built it. So on this Mount Moriah is Abraham is going up there. Uh, the, the Solomon's temple's there. David built his palace there. And right now, today, there's a Muslim, a Muslim mosque type. The Dome of the Rock is on this place right now. Okay, so it's a Muslim site. And you can see where, you know, the Israelis and the, and the Muslims, uh, they really go at it. The Muslims built it in 600 when their religion began in 600 A.D., far, far after this. But they, they believe that's where Muhammad uh, was raised into heaven. So it's a sacred place for them. It's the place where, you know, Abraham offered Isaac. It's the place of the temple. And you can see the political hotbed that exists in the city of Jerusalem. That's why next time we go, you must come. It's exciting uh, to go there and be at this place. But having said all that, they see the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now this lets you, it gives you an insight into the faith of Abraham. He's saying to the two people that went with him, we're going we're gonna to go there, oh, the mountain there, and we're going to, worship God, he's going to offer his son, and then the two of us are coming back. Now, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament uh, says that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. I mean, when God said, go offer Isaac as an offering to me, and, I, I, and Abraham saddled his donkey, he went up there believing that if he took the life of his son, God would raise him from the dead. How's that faith? You like that? I mean, that's like the ultimate. The ultimate. There isn't anything he's not trusting God for. Now, it's, it's unmistakable that Abraham clearly heard from God this command to do what he's doing. Otherwise, he would never have done it. Abraham had become accustomed to and knew the voice of God. In his life, calling him out of Mesopotamia to follow him to a place that he would show him. Hearing God's promise, you know, of becoming a great nation and the promise of Isaac and righteousness. Abraham knew, this is key, the voice of God, the accent of God's voice. He knew it. He was accustomed to it. He heard it. And that's what enabled him to move forward. And he trusted you know, for you and I to follow God, we need to become tuned in to His voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of God through the Scriptures. The Scriptures and the Spirit are how God works in us. And He keeps working like we just sang. He's working. And speaks to us and gives us direction. And when He does... When he does, we can trust him and follow him. This is key to Abraham. This is a pretty big test. This is a pretty big test. Now, it says this. Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife 
So they went, both of them, together. So here's this wood. We, we don't know how old Isaac is here, enough to, you know, carry this wood. Josephus says he's, a Jewish historian says he's 25. Another one said, another Jewish teacher said he was 37. I like to think of him as 33, which you'll see in just a minute. Write that down. He was 33, according to Pastor Brett. All right. He's carrying, he's carrying his own wood, all right? He's carrying the wood on which he's going to be laid. Isaac's carrying it himself. They got the knife. They got the fire. The fire would have been coals, all right? Coals in a container they're carrying, and they're going to use these coals to light the fire of the offering. It says that Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am. I am my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You can just feel this narrative here. I mean, it just, it's really, you know, I mean, I, every time I read it, I'm like going, yeah. I mean, what's Isaac thinking? They're, they're just the two of them now making their way up to the place where the offering will be. And he's asking these questions. What are we doing, Dad? What's happening here? Why is this happening, Dad? Abraham says this to his son. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. God will provide for himself the lamb. Now, Abraham does not know what's coming. In his mind, the lamb is Isaac. He's the offering. God will provide for himself. This is what God is asking us to do. All right, big, big test that God is asking him to do. So they move on together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I mean, can you just feel this tension mounting here? What's he going to do? Why is God doing this? What's happening? Confusion. I mean, just surprise, just unbelievable, unthinkable things. He binds his own son on the wood. Then it says, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. So he's on the altar. He's got the knife. He's going to kill his son. As God had told him to do. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And every time I read this, I'm thinking like, thank goodness the angel, you know, in time. I'm like, dude. I mean, <laughs> you know, don't be late. Here I am, he said. He said, don't, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son your only son for me. The, the, listen, the test, the test was for Abraham and his faith. God was never going to kill Isaac as an offering to him. Do you understand that? This, if Abraham was unwilling to offer his son and unwilling to plunge the knife, so to speak, if he was unwilling then it would have showed Abraham the condition of his faith, but it would have not been something where God would have then had Isaac offered to him 
It, it, it's not about that. It's about what, a test and a pretty severe one because you'd have to agree there's no way he's going to understand all that's going on here. But he really trusts God because he knows God. And even though he doesn't understand this, he knows that everything God does is right. And so I will trust God with what I don't understand, and he will give Isaac back to me from the dead if he chooses to do that. I trust him completely. What an example for each of us. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead Instead of, as a substitute for, his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh in the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Right, what is, that's the end of the narrative. What is our application for us? All right, what is it for us? First of all, I want to talk to you about how this narrative, what actually happened, is a picture of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's a picture of Christ. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, it says that, that Jesus speaking says that Abraham, to the Jewish leaders, Jesus says, Abraham rejoiced and he saw my day, or he saw my day and rejoiced. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul says, the gospel was preached beforehand through Abraham. Saying the just shall live by faith, or by faith will be declared righteous. This is Abraham, Isaac, the ram in the thicket. This is the preaching of the gospel 2,000 years before Jesus came. It's a foreshadowing. There are all kinds of types in the Old Testament like this that foreshadow Christ's coming. This is one of them. Let me give you a few examples of this. It says that father and son went on together. Abraham and Isaac left the two that were with them, and they went on together to the offering place on Mount Moriah. They went together, father and son. At the crucifixion, it was father and son, father God and the son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Father and son, what you have to see here in the story of Abraham, because some of you are like, emotionally, this is almost too much. But what you have to see here is this is God the Father offering his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And not holding the knife, but plunging the knife for our redemption. This is the love of God the Father. They went together. They went together. You know, Isaac says, I see the wood, and uh, I, I see the, you know, the fire, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Two men went with them. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Jesus Christ, our substitute, you see, God's only beloved son. Abraham had other children eventually, but Isaac was his only son with Sarah, whom he loved. Special 
child, only begotten, unique child. Jesus Christ, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus and Isaac were willing to give their life. Isaac went, didn't resist, carried the wood and laid on the altar. Jesus Christ, listen, gave his life for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Oh God, may this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He willingly went to the cross. Jesus was a substitutionary lamb. Isaac was not killed. The lamb was. You're not killed in death in judgment, in condemnation. You don't face the penalty of your sin. I don't face the penalty of my sin. Jesus took it for you. He's your substitute if you're a Christian and you know him. That's the gospel. We have a holy God. You know, we've sort of totally lost understanding of his holiness. We really have. Our culture is just deadness to holiness. We don't know what it is anymore. Holy God. We're accountable to God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Condemnation. But instead of you and I, when we come to Christ, instead of us dying for our sins, Jesus received the knife of the judgment of God in his own heart from his Father, and he died for you and for me so that we could be forgiven through him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. It was the third day that Abraham said to the two men, we're going to go worship, and we're coming back to you. The third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is like rejoicing material here. This is like, are you kidding me? Does God love me that much where he would plunge a knife into the heart of his son for me? And the answer is yes, and that's what he did. And that's what you have to see here. He's not asking Abraham to do that. It's a different test, but it's what he did do. As father and son walked together, Jesus and Isaac carried wood. Jesus, Isaac carried his own wood to the offering. Jesus Christ carried his own wood. It's the cross on which he died and was bound with nails. Even as Isaac was bound, Christ was bound with nails on the wood of his own cross. They both were offered on Mount Moriah and both had miracle births. Isaac, of course, you know, when Abraham was so old and and Sarah, and then Jesus through the virgin birth, being born of the Holy Spirit. Christianity is about this, everybody. Christianity is about a substitutionary death of the Son of God for you unto salvation. That's Christianity. I mean, it's, it, it has nothing to do with you earning anything by coming to church and trying to live an upright and moral life and keeping all the rules, and so therefore, since you're so good and I'm so good, because we go to church and we give a few bucks in the offering, and our kids go to Sunday school, that somehow God's going to say to us, wow, you're really impressive, and you can come into heaven. That is not Christianity. That is religion. Christianity 
is not that. Christianity is God so loving the world that he sent his son who became human in the person of Jesus Christ, lived the perfect life, the son of God, and then went willingly to the cross where the father plunged our debt into the heart of his son, our wrath that was meant for us. Onto him he became sin for us, died there so that in him, by placing faith in him, we could be declared right with God through the payment of Jesus' grace, mercy, love. It's why we worship at church. It's why we come in here and we sing. Because he's been so good. It's why we know we're free. It's why we know we're assured of eternal life. Because it's not based, your forgiveness is not based on you. It's based on him. We fail a lot of the tests that come into our life, don't we? I know I have. But I know the blood of Jesus Christ goes on cleansing. It never loses its power. You don't relate to God on the basis of your works. You relate to God based on the basis of Jesus Christ. What's the blessing, everybody? Hashtag blessing. It is God himself. He's the blessing. But he does test our faith. All right, let's talk about that. And Abraham's faith was tested. God tests our faith. This is what that means. You know, you, you, you become a believer in Jesus, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to become a believer in Jesus today. That says I'm over 46 minutes back there. That can't be right. <laughs> we got a new guy at the, at the clock or something back there? All right. You guys don't know it, but there's a timer back there that says, you know, to me it says, hurry up. We're doing fine. All right. You, you think of the Christian life. You, you become a Christian. You say, oh, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. Save me. And you become a Christian. Thank you for eternal life. I'm going to heaven. Um, and that's true. Saved by grace. Going to heaven. But you're just, you're just, it's just the beginning of your life in relationship to the Lord. It's just the beginning. Um, it's, it's not over then. He's going to develop you. He's going to help you to grow and mature. He's going to put you in the gym and exercise you. That's what a testing is. It exercises faith. And when faith is exercised, it grows stronger. So you can be strong and you can face life the way life really is. A uh, good passage to jot down in your notes is in the book of Hebrews and chapter 12 and verse 10, uh, where we have these words. For they, parents, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you become a child of God when you become a believer in Jesus. You're adopted into his family. He's our father, our father, which art in heaven. You're his child, a son, a daughter. And so what does God do with you now that you're a son or a daughter? He loves you. And now he's going he's gonna to help you to grow. How does he do that? Through testing, through trial, through difficulty. Say, well, how does that work? 
Let me ask you, you have kids? You know, a lot of you have kids. Some of you have grown-up kids. Some of you have little kids. And when they come into your family, are you a little boy, a little girl, however they come in? Some of you have adopted children. You, you get this little fella, this little girl, you're going to now, as parents, you're going to raise them up, right? Right? Or are you just going to say, hey, you know, we did our part. Now uh, there's food in the fridge. We're going on vacation. I mean, see you later. Have a good life. You do that. If you do that, what's going to happen to that boy, that little girl? You know, they're going to bring, the Scripture says they're going to bring shame to you if you don't, if you don't discipline them. You, you, what do you do? You, take, you teach them, right? Teach them. Take them on some adventures. You discipline them. You pray with them. You talk, about God, you talk about God with them. You, you, you even let them do some things where you know they're not going to do it right and they may even fail, but you know they need to see themselves, right? God's doing the same thing, everybody. He's doing the same thing. You say, I know, I hate it. Well, your kids never liked it either, right? I mean, right? Your kids never liked it. What do I have to do, Dad? Well, that's what we are with God. I don't want to know. So this is how it works. <laughs> You're growing in your ability to trust God. See, you have a trial in your life, and you don't know what to do. It's a medical problem, and you're not sure what the next step is, who you should call, what, what should be the procedure, where you should go. Or it's, it has to do with you or somebody else. And so you ask God, your Heavenly Father, and you say, give us wisdom and direction, God. We really need it and to, to see us through this. And it's a big trial. And God is faithful to you and provides for you and shows you. And again, and then you go, wow, God, you're so good. I trust you a little bit more than I did before. And you have a financial need and you pray because finances are tough or you need a job and you're looking for a job and you... You can't find them, but you go to your Heavenly Father and you say, God, I know you love me and I'm your son, I'm your daughter. Would you show me how to sort this out financially and provide the job? As I go looking and knocking on doors, would you just show me? And God answers you and blesses you and provides for you. And you get to the end of that and you go, thank you, God, you're so good. And your faith and trust in God's character grows a little bit more. So you get to the point of Abraham where he says, I want you to offer up your son Isaac, and the next morning you go and do it, even though you don't know it, but you know who God is, and you trust him completely. Listen, your life, your life, I'm talking to you if you're a Christian now, your life is all about learning who God is in your life. Because hashtag blessing is God, his faithfulness, his mercy, his love, his power, his direction. It's hashtag God. That's blessing. I was thinking through all the different tests, you know, that have come into my life over the years. And I'm not unique in having different testing, right? You've had it. You, some of you are going through some of your biggest testing right now. And I've had it and you have it. And I think... Uh, you know, if I was to look at it as a test, like you think of a test, I give myself and most of them C minus and a lot of Fs in terms of how I did. Seriously. It's like, will I ever learn anything? 
Am I the only one like that in here? Uh, what's your GPA spiritually, huh? My GPA is a little low spiritually. You know what I found when I turned in an F in terms of my patience, in terms of my trusting God, in terms of my not worrying? I turn in an F and I don't respond. I give it to God. You know what I find out? He loves me still. His love is unconditional on how my grades are with my spiritual tests. As a matter of fact, he, he doesn't leave me or forsake me. He brings other good things into my life, even though I present him with an F grade. And I learn even through that who he is. That when you think he'll never forgive you, he can't forgive you, look what you failed in, look what you've done, and he blesses you, and he does. And your trust in him, your love for him just goes up a little bit more. And now your life is changing because it's the foundation of your life is the character of God, the person of God, the presence of God in your life. That's the foundation of your life. Circumstances are not your big blessing anymore. You know, we have a lot, of, we have a lot to trust God for in this culture, don't we? We've got a stock market that's just crashed, right, or crashing. We got the coronavirus that all of you are worried about because everybody won't shake my hand out there and then she's going off. All right, fine. We got the coronavirus we're all going to get. And, and then we're in a political season, and uh, I, I know I shouldn't watch TV during this time. It's just it's killing me. I should read my Bible. Don't watch the politicians spout off and do their stuff and just you should read my Bible. I'd do better if I do because God is ultimately in charge and he is sovereign God and he's working out his plan and he will work out his plan. My point is, to you is that there's financial troubles. There's all kinds of troubles. If hashtag a blessing in your life is tied to one of those things, you'll never be blessed. Or you will for a short time. That's it. If it's, if it's hashtag good health and good health for everybody else and, you know, and ever bless you. But if it's hashtag God, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never leave you or forsake you. His grace is as strong and as wide, his love as high and deep as it's ever been. It'll always be there and he'll lead you home. That's it. Blessing is him because when I know him, I go through anything. All right? That was a pretty weak amen. Give me another amen to that. So God is testing our heart. Okay, God is testing our heart. He's more interested, he's not as interested in your intellect and your talents as he is in your heart. It's what he's after. And the tests will show the condition of your heart. Now, we need to go through testing so we see who we are. Let me give that to you again. The testing reveals who you are, and you see it. Say, what do you mean? Let me put it this way to you. Most of us haven't got a clue as to who we really are. We're in denial, all of us. We think we love God more than we really do. We think we're more righteous than we really are. We like to hide behind our own performance. So you go through a trial... A testing, and it reveals to you who you really are. You really, 
have idols in your life. You really do. And you really have problems with worry and stress. You really do. And you can't trust God. You say, okay, where are you going with this, Pastor? Here's where I'm going with this. It reveals it to you, but it drives you to the one who heals and loves and cares about you. The testing is showing you how weak you are so that God can be how big he is. That's how it works. Amen to that. All right, so it's just the opposite of what you might think. And now I can't even see the clock, so I'm just going on here. Let me give you the... <laughs> oh, see, it's 12.15. Come on, Pastor. All right, so we're done. The, this is what I want you to remember, right? God himself is the blessing. All right, so that's what I mean. If you miss the other sermons, forget it. That's all you need to know, all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, God. Thank you that you will never leave us nor ever forsake us, that your promises are sure, a foundation, an anchor for our soul. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and being the sacrificial lamb, for willingly allowing the Father to punish and kill you for us. And then rising from the dead to give us hope and assurance of eternal life. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then would you just say, Lord Jesus, in your own heart, pray to him, save me. Oh, God, save me. I know I need it. I, need, I, want, I want a new life in you, Lord. I, I want a, a resurrected life. I know I've been doing it myself, and as a result, there's pain in my life, and there's suffering, and I've sinned against you. Oh, cleanse me. Make me new. God, I want to know you, which is the true blessing to know you. And maybe you're here as a Christian, and you've been through some real testing. Can I just pray that God will help you to hang on so you see how he works? And your faith will grow. God, I pray for that person who's at the end of their rope and is hanging on. Help them to hang on longer so they might see your hand and praise your name. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.